smashing. Give everyone the best possible start to the day. See special packs for details. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about micro front ends. What is a micro front end, and how is it different from the sort of approach we might be taking at the moment? We find out from micro front end pioneer Luca Metzalera. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes a new article to the website five days a week? That's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. In adding dynamic and async functionality to Jamstack sites, Jason Lengstorff talks us through how a static site can be made fully dynamic through interacting with APIs, serverless functions, and just a little Netlify magic. Adonis Raduka takes a look at how data analysis, tools, and workflow can be helpful in a data-driven world in the article Quantitative Data Tools for UX Designers. Believing the UX designers should not be afraid of the statistics and maths involved in working with data, Adonis shows us all how to get started. Yes! Creating voice skills for Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa is the subject of an article by Tris Tolliday. Tris gives us a rundown of the different voice assistants in the market and shows how JavaScript can be used to add functionality to Google and Amazon's offerings. In Beyond Sprint Zero, an alternative for integrating teams, Shamsi Brin looks at some of the traditional methods of kicking off Scrum-based projects and suggests an alternative prototype-based approach that could avoid some of the common project management pitfalls. And in helping browsers optimise with the CSS Contain property, Rachel Andrew explains how the new CSS Containment specification can give you a way to explain your page layout to the browser, enabling it to make appropriate performance optimizations. You can find out how the contained property is used and understand the implications it might have on your page layout. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. He's Google developer expert on web technologies and manager of the London JavaScript community. With more than 15 years' experience, he currently works as VP of Architecture, designing sports video platform DAZONE. He's the author of the book Front End Reactive Architectures for APRESS, and is also a technical reviewer for APRESS, Pack Publishing, Pragmatic Bookshelf, and O'Reilly, as well as being an experienced public speaker at technical conferences all around the world. He's Italian, sports a handsome beard, and clearly has deep knowledge of the web platform. But did you know he once crossed South America on an ostrich? My smashing friends, please welcome Luca Metzlera. Hi, Luca. How are you? I'm smashing. I wanted to talk to you today about the subject of micro front ends. Now, this is a, a concept that's completely new to me, uh, certainly by the name. Um, and I expect it's new to a lot of our listeners too. Uh, before we get into micro front ends themselves, I guess we should understand the problem that you're looking to address with them. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how you see applications in a more traditional way uh, and what sort of problems do those things hit that maybe micro front ends might be the solution to. Okay, that's, that's a good starting point in my opinion. So um, usually when you uh, 
implement or design a new project, greenfield project and you want to work with uh, uh, front-end applications, uh, um, you have uh, a few uh, architecture that you can leverage. You can use a single-page application. You can use a server-side uh, rendering application. Or you can use uh, a, a multi-page application composed by just sim- simple HTML pages. Um, obviously, those are super valid options and uh, I think very uh, used by, by many, many uh, developers. Uh, the, the real problem that we're trying to solve here is how you can scale these concepts uh, with distributed teams to hundreds of uh, developers working on, uh, on the same code base. Because the reality is um, when you are working in, in these um, uh, platforms in particular, uh, when you think about SaaS platform, for instance, um, you need to have uh, multiple developers and multiple teams that are working on, on the same project. Uh, and obviously, the way how, for instance, you do uh, acquisition or retention is completely different on the way how you, you expose the, the catalog and uh, uh, or how you show specific part of, of a, a, a platform. So now... Um, in, in my experience, I work a lot with single-page application. I work with server-side rendering application. Uh, but uh, at some point in the zone, uh, I've been asked to think about a way to scale our um, technical team. Uh, and uh, I need to come up. If, if for backend, we had like some solution that are microservices in this case, so we can scale our APIs um, independently and uh, uh, take in consideration uh, the, the scale and the volume uh, for a specific throughput uh, on uh, on a specific API. Uh, on the front end, really, uh, it's really more difficult because if you think about that, you don't have technical problem to solve when you need to scale if you're using a single-page application, for instance. Probably for a server-side rendering, you have some, but on a single-page application, for instance, it's distributed by nature because it's on client-side, different client-side. So the only thing that they are loading is just uh, some static files uh, like CSS and HTML and JavaScript uh, that are served by CDN. And in that case, uh, you can scale accordingly. It's not a, a big challenge. But the real challenge is how you scale uh, the, the teams working on the same platform. Uh, because sometimes the challenges that are faced by one team could be completely different from uh, uh, the challenges that are faced by another team. And usually what you do, you, you try to find a lot of trade-offs between, between the things. Because if you think, let's try to think on, on a normal use case. So usually when you start a platform, you start in small. So you try to create a quick uh, single page application as well. You have your monolith. So you, you just set up everything in your CI, CD just once for front and the backend. And then you start to iterate on your logic. But the reality is when you have success, you need to evolve this part. And it's not, uh, let's say, always maintaining the same architecture that could uh let's say, uh, create a benefit for your business because maybe you can find some bottlenecks. So now uh, going back to the the, the single page application part. So if we want to scale a single page application part, the challenge is not technical, is uh, with humans if you want. So how we can scale teams working on the same uh, application. Uh, So what I did uh, three years ago um, is was uh, uh, starting to look at a possible architecture that uh, and principles that would allow me to scale the front end as well as the back end. So working on the uh, back end principles that you can find on microservices, uh, I uh, started to look at uh, a different solution and it came out with uh, microfrontends that at the beginning we didn't even call in that way because obviously three years ago there wasn't, uh, let's say, that name uh, for, for that specific architecture. But the reality is 
is taking a monolith, so a single page application, and slicing it um, in in a way that will allow us to focus ourselves in, in a tiny problem, so a smaller problem than a, the entire application, and trying to solve that in the best way possible, technically speaking. Obviously, that lead to have independent pieces of your front-end application that could be deployed uh, in production without affecting all the others. So the, 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 the challenge basically for micro front-ends is trying to figure out a way to take any single-page application or service center rendering application and create a, a unique artifact that is, uh, let's say, uh, as close as possible to a business domain and can be deployed independently. So, I mean, you mentioned microservices on the on the back end. So, conceptually, this is uh, a similar sort of solution to the problem that microservices solve on the back end, but ported over to the front end. Is that is that a rough equivalence, or is it more involved than that? Yes, it's, it's no, it's it's a way to solve uh, the same problem it is trying to solve microservices on the back end, but on the front end in this time. Usually, uh, when I started this journey at the beginning, you know, uh, you start to to think about that and you start to evaluate different approaches. And uh, uh, in the last few months, I uh, came up with uh, what I call the micro front end decision framework. Uh, that basically uh, is four steps uh, that I use in order to. Um, let's say, identify uh, an approach for microfrontends. Because if up up to now, we usually pick one framework that designed the architecture for us and we implement on top of that architecture. If you think about Angular, if you think about uh, React and Redux, you have all the pieces that are needed, but you don't take architectural decisions. You take design decisions or how you implement on top of that specific architecture. So on, on microfrontends, you need to start uh, a step back. So uh, we need to think about how we want to first slice our application. So there are two usually options for that. You can slice horizontally, so you can have multiple microfrontends in the same view, or you can slice vertically. Therefore, you always load one microfrontend per time. And those decisions are quite key because uh, it, it will uh, then cascade uh, certain uh, other options that you have based on, on the, the initial decision that you made. So the first, as I said, you decide how you, you want to slice your, your application. The second one is how you want to compose your application. So you want to have, like, for instance, an app shell that is loading one or multiple microfrontends in the same view. You want to have, uh, uh, I, um, I don't know, an application server that is composed Posing different fragments of your application, so different microfrontends, and then serve the final view to your user, or you want to use uh, edge side include that is um, uh, a standard that is used inside the CDNs uh, in order to compose uh, a page and serve this. The, those are three of the options that you have, and then. Uh, apart from from composing, then you need to think how you want to root. So how you root from I don't know slash login to uh, or slash sign into uh, the catalog part or a specific detail object is also here. You have like three options. You can do it at the application server. You can do a CDN level with Lambda the Edge or any other web workers in Cloudflare or anything else. Or you can do a client side. So you have a logic inside your app shell that is saying, okay, now for this specific URL, you need to load another view or another microphone then. And the last bit is how you communicate with your microphone tents. So usually if you have like multiple microphone tents on the same page, 
uh, there is a higher complexity on managing this uh, uh, this communication because you need to maintain uh, the different microphone tags independent. So that means you cannot have any reference on how the page is structured. So usually you can use stuff like custom events or an event emitter that is injected inside each single microphone ten, and then uh, is uh, the, the microphone tags are communicating together. Obviously, in the other case, when you have like a, 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 let's say a vertical um, a split of your microphone tens is way easier because inside the vertical, basically the representation of a vertical microphone tent is a single page application or a single page. Um, and in that case, uh, it's uh, easier to, let's say, uh, create and share um, having a shared state across the entire microphone tent. If you think about having multiple microphone tents all together, then you you should avoid to have uh, states that are shared across microphone tents because otherwise you are coupling things. Instead, the whole concept here is decoupling and having independent deployment. Um, and, and therefore, let's say the challenges of an horizontal split, that is the first decision you should take, uh, or, or vertical split, uh, are completely different. And uh, we need to be very well aware uh, which one uh, fits our use case. So rather than a specific technical solution, uh, micro front ends are very much uh, like a design pattern that you would implement in whatever technology is appropriate for the particular problem you're trying to solve. Yeah, more than technology, uh, I would say that uh, uh, we pick the right architecture for uh, the right job. Just to give you a, an example, uh, I was talking, there is a famous framework, uh, uh, a fairly new uh, for microphone tents, it's called Luigi Framework, that was released by um, uh, SAP, uh, open source. They What they are doing is creating some iframes where they are wrapping their microphone tents inside it. So now, if you think about that, let's say... Uh, Using iframes nowadays on a public website that maybe has uh, SEO or other features that are mandatory, uh, it could be uh, problematic. Uh, but uh, in the case of SAP, uh, if you think about that, they have like enterprise application where they can control the browser that the user is using. They can control the environment. They don't need to be available on, on a multitude of, of different version of the browser. So for them, this thing allows them to have certain areas of the application that are constant and they have certain areas that are changing uh, in, independently without any problem. But obviously, an iframe solution wouldn't work in other situation. Just to give you another example, uh, Spotify, uh, we're using iframes uh, uh, at the beginning. In fact, the desktop application is still composed by multiple iframes, uh, and each single iframe is is a, a tiny application that does, I don't know, just the music, music player or just the recommendation, whatever it is. Uh, they try to have the same approach on web, but they dismiss that uh, this year in order to have to move back to a single page application. Uh, and that means, and they explain why in the, te the technical blog, they were saying that obviously, if you apply to have a millions of users that are using iframes, they need to download every time uh, the same um, vendor's file. Uh, and then you have like a lot of dependencies that are duplicated. And, and the time for uh, interacting with your page will be longer. So in reality, this approach uh, could fit for certain use cases, but it shouldn't fit for all of them. That's why I'm saying, uh, as I described before, if you have a decision framework that helps you to address those things and you can start to say, okay, I slice the application in this way. Therefore, I have those options that are available when I want to compose, when I want to root, when I want to communicate. Uh, 
it will it should guide you uh, in order to have the right decision at the right time then obviously apart from those four decisions there are many others like how you create consistency in the design system that you have across all the microphone tents or I don't know how you manage the dependencies and avoid clashing of the dependencies inside the microphone tents. But the reality is those four decisions uh, that I mentioned before will allow you to then take all the others in a quick uh, in a quick way without having uh, the problem uh, of think- overthinking which is the best solution because you already set the cornerstone, the four pillars that will allow you to, to take all the other decisions I cannot say in, in a easy way, but in a quicker way than um, review all the spectrum of, of, of opportunities. You mentioned before the way that micro front ends can help with the the sort of structure of teams within your organization and having lots of people working on the same application. What are the, some of the implications there? And, and does it does it make any difference if your teams are, are, are distributed or co-located or are there any challenges that are faced there? Uh, yes. So y- Mm, I can tell you what is uh, the, the story of the zones that is the company where I'm working on. Uh, currently, uh, in the zone, we had like a, a nice challenge. So currently, we have over 300 people that are working on the front and the back end of our platform. It's an OTT platform uh, that is streaming live sport events uh, globally. And the uh, interesting bit is uh, if on microservices, we know how to manage more or less, and we have distributed teams. So we have four dev centers um, with multiple teams in each single dev centers. Uh, on the front end, uh, we we tried this approach and it worked pretty well. So uh, with microphone tents, we were able to provide different business domains in different location and allow the cross communication between teams inside a specific business domain very smooth because the worst case scenario, the, uh, the, if you have to speak with another team of, on your same business domain, you just reach walking uh, the walking distance from, from your desk. If instead you need to uh, discuss specific thing uh, on a, a distributed team, so with the, maybe someone in London instead of Amsterdam or instead of um, Katowice in Poland, uh, you just organize a call. But those kind of communication are uh, more rare than uh, than uh, the ones that are happening uh, across uh, uh, across teams inside the same location and that's why uh, we started working on that so the first thing that i did it was looking at how our users were interacting with our website how the, the company was structured and we when we identify um, the um, four key areas that we are working on that are currently acquisition retention uh, let's say porting of uh, uh, the core application on multiple TVs and mobile uh, and uh, having the, the core domain that for us is the video player and the discovery phase of our content. And finally, all the back office uh, elements, I was able to identify those four areas. And with those four areas, we assign for each single uh, dev center. Obviously, there are some uh point of contacts between those those areas but then uh, there are ways that you can uh, let's say mitigate and have like some initial workshop with the different teams that are in different location and then work towards the same api contract for instance or the same goal uh, with having some checkpoints during the, the development. But the nice thing of, of approaching that allowed uh, approaching with microphone tents is uh, the fact that we um, finally understand deeply how our system was working. We sit down and we analyze how we were structured and we change not only the, the way how we were architecting things, but also how the, the company was working. And that was uh, uh, kind of uh, a, a different approach from what I have seen so far, uh, but it's proving that is uh, working pretty well in the case that 
each single team can uh, interact with the teams of, of the same location uh, in, in the same domain. So they are talking exactly on the same ubiquitous language, if you want, talking about the domain-driven design. Um, and uh, instead, if they need to interact with other teams, they can literally schedule a workshop or fly into another dev center, and uh, it's less than a problem. But in this way, we, uh, um, let's say, uh, augment the throughput and uh, reduce the communication overhead and the, the external dependencies that were happening uh, in, in in other situations that they work uh, worked on. And do all these teams need to be using like a standardized JavaScript framework? Do they all need to be coding in the same things? They all need to be either React or Angular or to, enab- to enable the interoperability between them? Um, or can people be using different things for different micro front ends? Yeah, so in, in the zone, we decided to slice vertically our micro front ends. And that was uh, a decision that allowed us uh, to have the freedom to pick the technology that we need for each single micro front end. Considering that each uh, every time we load one micro front end per time, uh, and uh, this means that, for instance, the way how we have a landing page is different from the sign-in, sign-up journey. Um, so we can update, uh, uh, we are mainly using React at the moment, but if, for instance, I remember when React 16 was uh, uh, released, we were able to release in production React 16, also if it wasn't in, in the stable version, uh, for, for just a landing page and see if it was working without affecting all the other teams. Uh, and then at their own speed, at their own piece, they were updating their own stuff. So that uh, allows us also to, to um, let's say, try, uh, uh, let's say, new technologies or new uh, assumptions that we have on, on existing um, application with a, a certain amount of users because we implemented also canary releases for front end we implemented the, uh, let's say several um, practices that allows us to just try certain times in production and see how the things are working the beauty of this approach is that uh, we can independently uh, decide to have the right tool for the right job more than having a common denominator across the entire stack because as you can imagine when you start to work on a project um the decision that you made the first few years are completely different on a decision that you made in a trajectory where the company is growing, the business is evolving, and it's becoming more mature. And the, the challenges are completely different. So it wouldn't be flexible enough or agile enough, if you think about that, uh, the fact that we stick with the same decision we take two years ago, in particular in a situation like the zone that we moved from basically zero uh, to uh, 3,000 employees in three years. So uh, as you can imagine, it was a massive growth and it was a massive growth for the company as well for on, on the user base. Is there an established way for the different micro front ends to share data and to communicate with each other, for example, just to, to keep each other in, in step with the same view? Or is there a way to do that? Uh, yes, there is. It depends which of the uh, in the decision framework which one uh, you're going, which path you're going to take. Because if you are going to take the um, uh, the, the vertical slice, th- that becomes very easy. So what we have in order to communicate between microphone tens is an app shell that is loading uh, a microphone ten inside itself, and and what it does is storing everything that has to be uh, let's say shared across different microphone tens or on on a web storage, either a session or local storage or in memory and then based on those information we, the, the new microphone that is loaded can retrieve from the app shell those information 
uh, and then consume that, augment that, or change them. Uh, it's completely up to, to uh, how you slice the, 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 the application. But in this case, just to provide an example, uh, if you think when you are an out, unauthenticated users and you need to, to go to the sign-in page, when you sign in and the, and the APIs are, are consumed and they're providing a JWT token, the, the uh, microphone then is passing this to the app shell and the app shell is storing inside the uh, web storage. Then after that, the app shell is loading the new, uh, the authenticated area for, for that specific application. And the authenticated area is retrieving the J, JWT token from the app shell uh, and is performing, I don't know, a refresh access token or uh, is, is validating some data in, in, uh, uh, um, inside the, the JWT token. So it's using basically the information that were produced by another microphone 10 uh, at their own will. It sounds like a very interesting concept and I can potentially see lots of um, big advantages to working this way, but it can't be without its challenges, surely. Are there any particular things that are more difficult to, to deal with when, when architecting things in this way? I think uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, um, the main challenges that I see is the shift of mindset. Because if before we were used to have, uh, uh, let's say, uh, the tech leads or the lead developers that were deciding uh, everything around the, an entire application, taking all the decisions. Uh, now, finally, we we move from this centralized entity to a decentralized entity that is local for each team. And as you can imagine, this is bringing some challenges because uh, if before uh, we had like someone that is tracing the path, now instead we have uh, uh, let's say multiple people that are defining the right the right path inside their domain. Uh, and this is a huge shift of mindset. On the other side, I think the complexity is uh, um, accepting sometimes that you uh, doing the wrong abstraction could be, um, let's say, more expensive than, than uh, duplicating code. And that's, I know, that is something that uh, I found very challenging in many developers because they're thinking, okay, now I can reuse this object or this uh, specific library uh, hundreds of times inside the project. But the reality is that uh, very different. Uh, I saw components library that were abstract and they spend a lot of time making that uh, as uh, in the best code ever uh, or the best in a perfect shape, but the reality were used just twice. So the effort of doing that, uh, it wasn't uh, exactly that. I saw on the other side libraries that they started with a couple of use cases uh, for, for a specific component and then the, those use cases became tense, um, and uh, and then the code became unmaintainable. So trying to add a new functionality inside the same component uh, could risk to be uh, could be more a risk than than a benefit. So uh, I think the other thing that we need to understand with microphone dance is how much you want we want to share and how much we want to duplicate. And th- there is no harm, honestly, in duplicating. In our case, for instance. We have a duplication of footer and header, and we did that mainly because we changed like three times the, the header in, in uh, four years. Uh, so it's, as you can imagine, the fact that we are centralizing this, assigned to a team and create an external dependency for all the teams, all the hundreds of developers that we have is is more, let's say, uh, an issue than a benefit for the company because we are not adding any an enormous value. At the same time, currently, we are refactoring um, uh, our first 
let's say, uh, share libraries, that would be a payment library because obviously payment has some logic behind that. And is if we want to change once, we don't want to apply that uh, twice in multiple parts of the code. We want to have just one library that is a source of truth. But for the header and footer, uh, also if there is a discrepancy of a pixel or there is a, a functionality that is, is deployed like a week later, it, it won't hurt the, the, the application. So are there some telltale signs that people should look for when um, uh, evaluating an, an application and thinking, ah, yes, this would be a good candidate to move to a micro front-end sort of architecture? Yeah, so my suggestion would be, first and foremost, uh, I wouldn't start a Greenfield project with, with micro front-ends unless we know exactly how it should be, be built. And usually it it's very unlikely that you have this information because in particular, if you have a new platform or, or a new project um, and uh, it's the first time that you are working on this, uh, it could be uh, uh, non-trivial finding this, finding this information. Uh, usually what, what, what I suggest is starting with an existing architecture, it could be server set or Angular single page application, and then evolving that. Um, in particular, for instance, I found, uh, I, I think that uh, using microphone tents uh, for uh, legacy applications or when we want to replace specific part of the application or when we have, uh, let's say, a project that we want to evolve and scale uh, for multiple teams, those are three use cases that are, I, I feel very strong um, could could suit the microphone tents architecture. Obviously, that doesn't mean that from now on, everything should be my, microphone tents because microphone tents is not a silver bullet at all. Uh, what they are is an additional architecture that we can leverage on the front-end world. And up to now, we had like a certain amount of architectures. Now we have an additional one that has a lot of challenges because obviously you need to, if if before server-side rendering or, or single-page application, there are clear patterns that were explored and, uh, and then uh, implemented by several frameworks and so on. With micro-front-ends currently, there isn't one way to do things. But... Analyzing, having, uh, let's say, a decision framework probably should allow people to make the right decision for their use cases. Because often there are a lot of misconceptions on what microfinance are and how they should be used. And a lot of people are, are thinking that maybe, um, um, let's say, uh, are evil for, uh, I don't know, having too many libraries in one view or other things. The reality is you need to understand deeply the concept, understand how to implement that, and then you can start to work on that. I fully agree that there are technical challenges and there are um, a lot of decisions that you have to make and you cannot just start straight away with an editor in front of you writing code and thinking, okay, now I'm I'm creating a microfinance architecture because you need to uh, understand the the concept, understand the context uh, and create also governance around that because the complexity is not just writing the code. Is also understanding how all the pieces are fitting together, the CI and CD part, uh, the SEO part, uh, and so on. So um, microfrontends, though, provides, uh, um, let's say, a level of flexibility uh, and uh, require a lot of uh, effort for uh, defining the governance right, because when you have the governance right, everything will be smooth. Often, and unfortunately, I would say too often, uh, I saw companies that were, they don't spend enough time on, on the governance side, uh, understanding the CI, CD, for instance, uh, because uh, they, they don't think that is important. But instead for microphone tests, like for microservices, having automation right 
will allow you to to uh, speed up the development. If you if you don't spend enough time on the automation bit, you risk to have more burden than the benefits. I guess it's like so many things um, in the web development world where people are in danger of diving in with a technical solution before they've really understood the problem. It sounds like with micro front ends is very much a case. You need to see the problem uh, and then implement the implement the solution to know what problem that you're solving. I guess that the very nature of micro front ends make it very easy to start integrating into an existing application to to spot a small problem and swap it out with a micro front end to, in order to solve that problem. Is that is that a reasonable suggestion? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, in this case, the only thing that I would suggest if we start in this way is looking more at the vertical slicing over the horizontal slicing, because otherwise you need to solve so many problems about, let's assume that, for instance, you're using Angular and you want to move to a new version of Angular. If you need to have two Angular versions living together uh, without using iframe, it could be complicated or even not possible. So if you start, you take, uh, you take the aspect, not from, uh, if you check, if you check the, the challenge, not from the, the technical point of view, but from the business point of view, maybe for instance, you can take, I don't know, the signing, um, part on, uh, uh, that you want to rewrite with a different version or the same version, but most more update version of, of a framework. And that could be a good way. And then you route through the path. Uh, that that could be a good way to replace slowly but steady uh, the uh, a specific application. What we have done in our case is basically applying the strangler pattern that is a well known pattern for microservices, uh, but on the front end. So based on on the URL and based on the browser and country of the user. So slowly but steady, basically we were uh, killing the monolith that in this case was a single page application, re- uh, releasing our application new application more often and see the behaviors of the users. It was in Improving the experience, it was uh, uh, causing any problem on our um, um, on our system or, or not, and that allowed us to provide immediate uh, uh, value to the business, but at the same time uh, allowed us to uh, test our assumptions and see if we were going to the right direction or not. It sounds like a very attractive solution to to some problems I'm sure a lot of people are facing. If I as a developer wanted to start investigating more about micro front ends, where would be a good place to start? Uh, yes. So uh, currently I'm uh, spending a lot of my spare time uh, trying to advocating around this, uh, this architecture because I think there are a lot of misconceptions. Uh, on my Medium account, uh, I've wrote several articles uh, that are available there. Uh, as well, I, I recorded a lot of videos in conferences uh, that you can find on YouTube uh, without any problem. Um and uh, in the other thing I would suggest, if you're looking for some code examples, some, some uh, let's say, frameworks, uh, one of uh, uh, the one that I warmly recommend to start with is a single SPA, uh, mainly because as a vertical slicing approach, uh, it's easier to pick it up and you can start to understand the benefit of this, of this architecture. Then there are many others that are available before I mentioned Luigi framework, uh, but as well as many others that are currently uh, out there that are allowing you uh, to um, compose multiple microfrontends in the same view. Like another one on top of my head is um, uh, TaylorJS uh, is another interesting one. Uh, but but definitely there is um, uh, open components that is one developed by um, uh, OpenTable. Uh, but in general, there are plenty of uh, opportunity if you start to search about microfrontends uh, out there. 
That sounds great. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with regard to micro front ends? Yeah, personally, uh, I would uh, suggest to to take uh, an open mind approach on uh, on learning this uh, uh, architecture and this this approach, technical approach, um, mainly because uh, I believe that um, there is a lot of good, but we need to. Uh, let's say, invest a bit of time and spend a bit of time to uh, deeply understand how the things are working. Because um, obviously, there isn't just one way to do things. We are used that we take a framework and immediately we start to to work on it. uh, And it's super uh, productive, if you think about that. But in this case, you need to spend a bit of more time understanding, as you said uh, a couple of times, uh, the problem, understand which is the pattern that would allow you to express better, uh, not only from a technical point of view, but also from an organizational point of view, the solution that you have in mind. So I've been learning all about micro front ends today. Um, what have you been learning about lately? Uh, recently, uh, there are two things that uh, uh, I'm, I'm learning. So last week I was uh, in uh, Las Vegas uh, during the AWS reInvent, and uh, it's uh, obviously a, a cloud conference. Uh, pretty amazing, 70,000 people, a lot of uh, uh, sessions that were uh, spread in seven hotels in, in Vegas. Uh, and there for me, uh, serverless is the paradigm that I'm, uh, um, let's say, studying the most because I truly believe that in the future that will uh, be the, the way how we are going to design and implement software. And obviously, AWS uh, uh, is very prominent on, on this approach. And the second topic is around, um, let's say, uh, management and how to be a leader of, of uh, a tech team. Because uh, uh, obviously, I'm uh, as a VP of architecture, I have a team of, of architects that I'm leading uh, and you can, you can never rest because you need to not only to be on top of the technical side, but you need also to understand uh, the, the, the people problems, understand how you can uh, make them successful. Because obviously, if they are successful, you are successful. You are a faci- technical facilitator to a certain extent. So that for me, those for me are the, the, the two things that currently I'm studying uh, on top of uh, exploring the microfrontends world. If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Luca, you can follow him on Twitter where he's at Luca Metzalira, or find his activities collected together at lucametzalira.com. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Luca. Did you have any parting words? Uh, no, but thank you very much for listening up, uh, up to now. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at smashingmag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook or in the supermarket by the cat food.